We worship you tonight, Lord. Holy is your name. Unsearchable are your ways. Every word you have spoken is true. Every decision you have made is right. Every declaration, every promise, every promise you've ever made, you have kept. There are no falling words. Your plan is perfect. Your kingdom is strong. Your saints are forgiven. Your sacrifice is sufficient. Your way is true. Your love is unstoppable. Your grace is matchless. And your throne is eternal. Your ways are unrivaled. Your heart is spotless. You are the best part of life. There is nothing like you nowhere. No author could fully express it. No inventor could ever imagine. No sculptor could ever create. No poet could ever capture your wonder, your strength, your beauty. We just fall short. Just one glimpse of you could change everything. One single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. One moment in your presence is better than a thousand anywhere else. We take this moment and we simply still ourselves before you. We give you our anxiety, we give you our fear, we give you our stress. You are in charge. We are not in charge. You are God. It's through Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Landria. Isn't it nice just to slow down for a couple minutes and quiet yourself and look to God? Uh, This is such a noisy time of year. Everyone is trying to get out their message. Businesses are trying to get out their message. Uh, Companies, retailers, they all have a year-end message they're trying to get out. Charities, families, they're all trying to get their message out for everyone to hear. Everybody is talking. Everyone has something to say. And we flood every type of medium this time of year to get out our messages. It's saturation marketing in hopes to reach as many people as possible. But the problem is everybody's doing the same thing. So instead of saturating, saturating the market, we really just end up with a saturated market. And it's so full to where you can't even distinguish one signal from another in the middle of all the noise. So the question Businesses, companies, retailers, charities, advertisers, they all ask is how do we get our message to rise above? How are we going to get out our message? How are we going to get our signal to rise above? In our, in our culture, one way we do it is by leveraging influencers. And it's called celebrity endorsements. And we identify people who naturally stand out against the competition. And we identify people who stand out amidst the noise of the world. 
and they use their status to get out a message for a price. And if you can identify the right celebrity, like Chewbacca, and pay him the right amount of money, they will help you with your message by tying their personal message to the brand. And it's not even just celebrities anymore. With social media and mobile technology, every day, ordinary people can make an impact. And these things amplify everyone's voice louder than it might otherwise be. There are even things that will help you increase your impact, make a deeper impact. Have you ever heard of the social media app called Clout? What it does is it aggregates all of your social media feeds. So if you're on Facebook or Foursquare, or Instagram, Twitter, what it does is that you register all those accounts in Clout. And then it takes all those and it goes out there and it sees how people respond to the things that you put on your social media platforms. So if, if you put something on social media and people like it or they retweet it or they comment on it or are happy that you have shown up somewhere, your clout score goes up. But if you don't put anything out there or what you put out there people just ignore, your clout score goes down. So earlier this month, I signed up on clout. And here it's telling me, Um, that your clout score is a measure of your impact online. And the score ranges between 1 and 100, and the average score is 40. So I put my Twitter account in there, and I got a 25. Hi, Ryland. Welcome to clout. Your clout score is currently 25. And since then, I've been getting emails of it going up a little bit and going down a little bit. And and I find my self-worth kind of going up a little bit and down. I'm just kidding. That's, that's not where I'm going with this. I'm not looking for us to start a social media campaign tonight. I'm not looking to change the world through Twitter. But we know what clout with a C is. So clout, the social media app, is with a K. But we know what the real word clout is. It's, it's influence or power. And if you have a lot of clout... What you say matters, and people listen, and there's weight to what you say, and people want to do what you do, and they want to be into what you are into. And while we follow people with clout, it's kind of interesting that what we seem to even really like more is an underdog story, right? I mean, we love it when the small market team rises up and and can compete, and we long for the little guy to make it, and we love it when, when we see these people with no voice, they rise up, and they band together, and they let their voice be heard, and we see their message compete with the other messages. We see the message compete with those who have influence, with those who have power, with those who really do have a lot of clout. Now, here's where I'm going with this. Luke And the gospel and his gospel account is telling a story of competing messages. He's talking about two kingdoms and two kings who have two messages that get out very differently. And it's a well-known passage. It's it's in Luke's gospel, chapter 2. He says, The Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
and all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. Now, this is my Christmas gift to you tonight. Never tell a woman she is obviously pregnant. (laughs) I know the Bible says it. Don't do it. Don't ever say it. So Augustus, who is Caesar Augustus, his great uncle was Julius Caesar, and and he's calling for a census, and they can't just send out an email or go door to door, Uh, so each person had to go to their ancestral town. So Joseph loads up his family, and he heads to Bethlehem. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Luke is telling a story of two kingdoms and of two very different messages. The first kingdom that Luke describes in this passage is Rome. And Rome at the time was a kingdom and even described as an empire. And Caesar Augustus was an emperor, a king who ruled other kings. If Caesar had a clout score, it's 100 out of 100. Caesar had no problem getting his message heard. When it came to Caesar's message, there was no competition. In fact, back then, messages were called decrees. And when Caesar issued a decree, the whole world was set in motion. Nobody could resist Caesar's message. It saturated and dominated the market. Now, what you need to know is Caesar proclaimed himself 
as Lord and Savior. That was his title. And he was praised and proclaimed as a great king of peace. But there was an asterisk with it. It's peace as long as you surrender and submit to Rome. If you don't, peace after his armies have invaded, defeated, and subjugated you. Caesar achieved his peace through countless wars that he initiated and won. And that's what we see in this passage, control. Caesar decrees a census. He decides it's time to name and number the world in which he is Lord and Savior so he can control his population, so he would know his governors were giving him uh, the correct amount of tax revenue. And he was using his clout, the threat of violence, and control to get his message heard. And it was, it was a message of control. So when he spoke, everyone started moving, including, we're told, Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph had to obey Caesar and respond to his message. But they were the people who were under the thumb of the Roman Empire. But even though they are under this thumb, God was at work to bring about a different kingdom and a different king and a different message Through them, the second kingdom that Luke describes in this passage is God's kingdom. And on the surface, it seems like this kingdom's advent, this kingdom's coming should be noteworthy and should be amazing and should trump anything Caesar is doing. It's God after all. And it starts well enough. We're told that the angelic host comes out, breaks out of heaven. They proclaim a message and they break out in song in an anthem that the people will experience blessing. That sounds amazing. So on whom will this peace rest? And to whom do they entrust this extraordinary message? And this is where it gets a little weird, where it gets a little different, because the people who were the first to hear the news about this new king and to hear this promise of blessing were shepherds. Now, if shepherds had a cloud score, it's one out of a hundred. They were at the bottom of the social order in first century Israel. They had no influence at all. They were dirty. They were smelly men who lived out in fields taking care of other people's animals for little pay. It would be the equivalent of of going home tonight and seeing homeless people with signs saying, we'll work for food, hoping someone will pick them up and give them a small job that will give them just enough money to pay and to make it to the next day. That's our equivalent of who shepherds would have been in the first century. And that's who God delivers this decree to. And that's to whom God entrusts the message about this new king the lowest people on the social register. If you want to get your message out, if you want to be heard, shepherds would not have been the best way. But then again, given what the shepherds find, maybe it doesn't really matter because the shepherds find a baby. And maybe it's appropriate dirty shepherds find a dirty, smelly baby being born among animals, but a king? The only person with a lower clout score than shepherds would be a baby. And that's how God's kingdom gets underway. 
with a baby and some poor, homeless Jewish peasants surrounded by some shepherds working for day wages. What is going on here? God is setting up a contrast between two kings and two kingdoms. He's showing the contrast between the Roman emperor and God's Messiah, between Caesar and all his power and the infant Jesus. Both claim to rule over all people. And Luke is contrasting the world military power of Caesar with the power we see on display in this little baby. What is God doing? God is doing something relatable. It's not happening in an imperial palace, but showing that power will begin in a manger and end on a cross. Luke is announcing the arrival of a king of peace. Not like Caesar, but a true king of peace. He brings peace that no earthly king could ever achieve. And he does it through vulnerability. He does it through entrusting the message to some lowly shepherds. Why? Because Christ brings his peace not to the elite, not to the powerful, not to the self-sufficient, not to those with the highest clout scores, but Christ brings his peace to all people, especially the poor, especially the vulnerable, especially the marginalized. Remember the message the angels proclaimed who this king would be and what he did. Now I want to look at an edited version of what it would look like if Caesar was being proclaimed. The heralds of Caesar would say, I'm bringing good news that will cause great joy for some people. Caesar is here and he will be recognized by this sign. A terrifying, powerful military king in a palace. But the host of heaven, God's angels said, I'm bringing not just good news, I'm bringing you, shepherds, good news that will cause great joy for who? All people. To who? You is born this child, and this will be a sign to you. God starts at the bottom and works his way up. That's the way God brings things about. With God, the way this message of peace is delivered matters. Okay, the way, way that God is communicating matters. The way that we communicate matters. We know that the way we communicate is just as important as what we communicate. We'll say it this way. Marshall McLuhan, was, he was a Canadian a communications philosopher, and you may have heard this statement before. This, he said this famous statement. It's, the medium is the message. Another way of saying this would be that, that the thing that carries the message is as important as the message itself. Think of the difference. Think of the difference between uh, watching a preacher on TV or standing on a street corner or being among a community of people that you know and trust. The way you hear the message affects how you hear the message. So if the medium is the message, what does the incarnation of God in the infant Jesus Christ say about God's message? The means that God communicates is by coming through the medium of a powerless infant child. 
What does it say about his kingdom and how he achieves his peace? God doesn't send soldiers. He doesn't send people out to manipulate us. He comes along to us in vulnerability and entrusts his message to people who have nothing to commend themselves except what they have seen and what they have heard. And Caesar and the world may say peace, they may communicate peace, but the medium of control and violence reveal the real message. The world establishes their own kingdom quickly and violently at the expense of others, but Jesus is up to something different. Listen now, God doesn't go from the top down and from the inside out demanding compliance. Jesus brought along his kingdom slowly. He established it slowly. In fact, so slow that a baby had to gestate in a womb for nine months after Israel had waited for generations. And God is establishing his kingdom and in God's economy, outsiders are not left out. They're first. And the people at the bottom aren't left out. They're first. Because he's not interested in compliance and control. He's interested in winning our trust. And Christmas is all about trust. That's how Christ's peace comes. It comes through trust. And here we are, 20 centuries later, our world is still filled with the ways of Caesar. Violence, anger, control, fear, They're still at work, and they command a lot of attention, and they make a lot of noise in our lives. And it's very tempting to live our life giving our homage to Caesar, or or to live in fear, or to just try and get by, or just not get noticed. But we gather tonight to recognize and proclaim a true king of peace, who didn't use violence but took it upon himself and overcame that violence with his love and his life. Why did he come this way? The Bible makes it clear, Hebrews 2.14, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Philippians 2 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus came 2,000 years ago, not to conquer all the military powers and other kings, but he came on another mission, to conquer our sin. 
And to do that, he had to become one of us and live the perfect life that we could not live and die our death in our place and conquer death by rising from the grave. But don't get too used to seeing Jesus as a baby. And don't get too used to seeing Jesus in a stable. And don't get too used to seeing Jesus as a lowly carpenter. And don't get too used to seeing Jesus whipped and beaten on a cross. Because since then, he's been elevated. He's been elevated to the place of highest honor. And he's coming back. And when he comes back, it's not going to be as someone with no clout. He will obviously be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the President of Presidents, and everyone will bow to him. And you can choose to do it today out of trust, out of worship, out of honor, and receive peace and receive the gift of heaven, or bow to him when he returns, not as a baby, but as a king. And not as a slave, but as a master. But then your bowing won't be out of trust. It will be that the weight of his glory will have crushed you to your knees. And the majesty and the truth of his reign will leave you with nothing to say, but Jesus Christ is indeed Lord. Thank God he made a way. Thank God that in his goodness, he came first and made a way for us to trust him, to know him, to build a relationship with him, not out of fear, but out of trust. Christmas is all about trust. And so the question is, who do you trust? Do you trust the Christ of Christmas? Meaning, do you trust Jesus? And Christmas is the opportunity. It's my opportunity to say, I have hurts. And I have questions. And I have doubts. And I have loss. And I have pain. And I have a past. And the weight of life is pulling me back and dragging me down. But I can't deny that in my heart, I know Jesus is who he says he is. And he did exactly what I needed. And I trust him. And as I trust him, I find that there is a peace I cannot explain. Peace with God. Peace that his decisions are right. Peace with his plan for my life. Peace that what I'm leaving behind to follow him is worth it. Christmas is all about trust. Where is your trust? And maybe something about this year has meant a new chapter in your life. Maybe it's a new season in your life, a turning of a page. Are you trusting Jesus in this new season of life? Christmas is the chance to say that because I'm trusting Jesus, my best days are ahead of me. In the name of Jesus, my best days are are ahead of me. Because I'm trusting Jesus, I have a peace that is so strong, I can't even put it into words. I can't even explain it. I don't even know if I fully understand it. Where is your trust? Would you bow your heads? Let me pray for you.
There are two messages presented to us tonight. There is the message we get from the world, which is one of fear and control and negativity. But in the middle of that noise steps God's message that says, I have good news. I have brought peace to everyone. And this peace not only reaches to those who are far from me, it begins with them. And if you feel like you are too far from God tonight, you aren't. And if you feel like you have run too far, you haven't. God's peace can be with you this very night. Peace that everything is right between you and God through Jesus Christ. God, we believe this message. We trust that Jesus is indeed the light of the world, the Savior who made made a way and takes away our sins. And we call upon his name tonight. We bow our hearts and our lives before him and worship him as the ruler of our lives. It's through Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen.